Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that turns off all of his lights when he leaves the room. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. Electricity ain't free. No, it's expensive. <laughs> it says so like in the everything Bible. else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Brandon. It's been a couple of weeks since I talked with you. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, man. So good. I've been up to so much since we last talked. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to talk your ear off about all the things I've been doing. I don't believe uh, a, I had a single word. I had a pretty nice sandwich. <laughs> oh, really? Salami and cheese. Uh, let's see. I went for a walk. I saw a bird. That about sums it up. Anyway, <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh, man, Brandon. So, <laughs> you know, last week, no, wait, two weeks ago, I was like, I got to go on a plane. This is going to be the worst day of my life, right? I didn't go yes. on the plane, Brandon. You already know that, though, because I talked with you the whole train ride. Because I took a fucking train across the country. <laughs> yeah. You took the scenic route. I did. It was beautiful, I have to say. Through America. <laughs> Almost all of it. <laughs> pretty pretty much all of America. Except for, like, the northern part, because I went, you know, southwest. But, yeah, it was great. Uh, 44-hour train ride one way to California. And then another 44 hours back. So I spent like a week of my life in a train. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It was pretty good, Brandon. I finished a whole book. I watched some woman dance. It was all cataloged on Instagram <laughs> because I put stories out like all the time. Oh, And uh, yes. everybody was very supportive of me. And it was really wonderful. <laughs> it was great. It seems it like quite ride. an experience. Just the travel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, the day came. That, that that plane ride, and I was like, you know what? I can't do it, you guys. And they were like, all right, well, Fuck it's flying. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're human beings. We're not meant to be up there. Yep, I was thinking, That's I was like, wait God's a second. domain. I can't fly. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went on the, the internet, and I found a train, and I was like, all right, let's do it. So I that, that morning at 10 a.m., we left, and... Uh, drove to chicago which is like five hours away and then i hopped on a train and was <laughs> i was at the station like 10 minutes before the train departed so it was a very very stressful day <laughs> yeah wow but then i could decompress on a train ride for 44 hours so. yeah you had time to <laughs> oh to let it, it all like mellow you know i got to california for work and everybody was like very excited that i got there and it was nice so it was good it was a good time good. yeah yeah i'm glad you you got to go me too and then uh so i i I got back you know i I took a sleeper car back which is the way to go i have to say it was very nice and uh i had a layover in chicago so i had to spend the night in chicago and chicago's great i gotta say i like it yeah seems like a happening town it's pretty cool i had a lot of food because there's food everywhere in chicago i mean you walk down the (laughs) streets and you have like they just throw it at you pretty much yeah you just have to catch it I don't know if you, because I, I know your brother used to live in Chicago too, and uh, there's these places that you can go, which are like kind of like mall, they're like a mall area, but they have like 16 different kind of restaurants in them. So you just go in there and you, you're like, I would like this, and then they give you a buzzer, and then you get your food. I had some really great ramen when I was there, and I had a hmm. sushi burrito, which was a lot. That, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it was fun though. I had a great time. But anyway, yeah, so. That was my week-ish. It was mostly travel. <laughs> Some well, Colorado it sounds like we both had quite a time. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I'm really jealous of that sandwich you had. 
for sure. Yeah, it was it was something. Oof, I can only. Did it have mayonnaise on it? Did they have mayonnaise in Australia? I'm not saying. Oh, I don't God. eat and tell. <laughs> you go <little> goose, you. <laughs> oh man. Well, Brandon. Yeah. We have the episode. Tales from the Crypt. Oh right, no. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what we were here for. It's it's okay. I know the the sandwich. I'm sure it just mesmerized you again for a moment. But uh, yeah, we, wa- we watched an episode of Tales from the Crypt. I asked you to do the notes for me because I didn't think I was going to have time to do it. But you know, lo and behold, I found the time because <laughs> we didn't record last week. So um, yeah. So uh, I'm looking at my notes now, and uh, it's like that meme with like. The drawing of the horse and the first part of the horse is, like, drawn beautifully. Beautiful, And the beginning of my notes are so thorough and detailed. And then the end is just like, uh, then this happens. I don't know. They died. The end. (laughs) I love it. Yep. You can see exactly the point where I heard (laughs) you could do the notes for this episode. (laughs) I could see the sigh of relief. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it's funny, though, because we watched Cormant's Calamity, which out of all the episodes of Tales from the Crypt we've had so far, I think this would have been the one that you doing the notes would be the best for. It's very, uh, it's very artsy-fartsy, oh Brandon, because you are such an artiste, you know? Oh, yes, of course. So, that's okay. That's okay. Um, But let's talk about Cormant's Calamity, Brandon. How did you feel about what? it? Oh, I didn't know what this episode was going for at first, but man, by the end... You know exactly what the hell. Oh my god, I, I don't even know how to describe it, Cortland. This is a this is a wacky episode of Tales from the Crypt. So, yeah, so campy. There were some oh, scenes man. where I was like, "This could just be an episode of Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Like this this scene you could transplant onto Nickelodeon and it would just fly. Well, when you think about it, Brandon, <laughs> we've kind of seen this already before because I'm going to spoil it a little bit. It's kind of the tale of the dream machine and the blob that ate everybody. If you, if you, you know, it's that kind yeah. of an episode. Yes, it's very similar in uh, that trope. Except it's way campier. This is a very, a very silly. Yeah, episode. somehow Again. this very adult show is like way sillier yes. than the kid versions. Yeah, it doesn't take itself very seriously. And uh, it's funny because, like, when you hear Tales from the Crypt, you're like, oh, that's the scariest show imaginable. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's got, <laughs> it's got even this episode, like, it's got horror elements and all that stuff. But, man, this, this show is so silly. Such a silly show. I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. You know, we're going to get that one episode. We're going to get that, that Tale of the Dead Man's Flow. We're going to get that Tale of the Night Shift eventually. But we haven't quite gotten there yet. And I'm excited to get yeah. there. I think see. the last episode is probably, oh yeah, like out of all the episodes we've seen, the one that's the most like, all right, this is just like fucking. This is a bummer. <laughs> yeah, is... I don't want to watch this. This is <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, all well, the rest are like, woohoo! It's a yeah. fun time, everybody. Yeah, Crypt Keeper's having a blast, and then, then you got fucking fitting punishment, and you're like, oof, I need to go take, yeah. like, a Crypt Keepers walk. cracking jokes about that one, and I'm like, Crypt Keeper, this is not the time. <laughs> well, it's the time for Corman's Calamity, Brandon. You want to get into this episode? Yeah, let's let's talk about this one from the top. All right. Well, our episode starts off with an interesting shot of our best friend. He's the Crypt Keeper. And he's drawing. He's drawing a picture of himself. That's drawing a picture of himself. That's drawing a picture of himself. It's like a, it's like a take on me kind of moment. And then you know? what, Coraline? 
It looks great. What did you think about Crypt Keeper's artistic styling? Oh, man. Like, I didn't know he was so talented. He's wonderful. He does it all. He turns around and he sees us there. <laughs> I love it. We just sneak up on him. He says, oh, hi there, Fright Fiends. How do you like my rancid rendering? I love it. Not bad for an amateur. <laughs> Hopefully it'll give you an inkling of what tonight's fungusy photo play is about. Because long before my eerie offerings appeared on your silver screen, they were a magazine called, and he lifts up a stack of Tales from the Crypt comic books, get a load of this! Tales from the Crypt! So tonight, let's take a behind-the-screams look at a struggling artist named Jim Corman, who one day got a little too drawn into his work. And we take a look at this cover for the episode, and it's kind of cool. Very blue and orange, you know, nice complementary colors there. In the foreground is a man in a wild 1990s orange shirt with all those little triangles and squiggles on it. You mm-hmm. know, the kind that you'd see on cups at gas stations. <laughs> it's great. He's drawing on some sketch pad thinking real hard about what he's doing. And behind him is a bunch of blue apparitions of monsters. There's a dinosaur, a lot of ogres. This guy's very into ogres and it looks cool. There's a weird, okay, I put a weird chef thing. It's I don't remember. Does it look like a chef? Like, I mean, it's it's uh, uh something. Well, before before I watched the episode, I thought it was a chef. It looks chefy. There's a zombie kind of looking thing, a wolf, a two-headed child, uh, and a T-Rex. There's a T-Rex there, Bryn. And some gorilla things. Yes. I don't know. It's great. I was hoping we'd see a T-Rex in this episode. Spoilers, we do not. Dude, it's like when we watched Shocker on Shock Street and there was no giant mantis. Oh, yeah, they lie to us with these covers. No, I, you know, the comic adaptation, the comic book style of this definitely has a T-Rex. Yeah, I'm sure, pretty sure that's like Jurassic Park. Exactly. Well, we fade into the story and Just My Imagination plays during the open credits, and I love that song. That's all I have to say. The end. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, this shows us a nice bridge over the city, and, and then we fade like into like a window because we're just looking out of an office window. And we see some jars and stuff. There's like a snake in one of them. Uh, kind of like a lot of like horror elements. There's a, I believe there's a Frankenstein's monster that it shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jabba the Hutt is there. Did you see Jabba the Hutt? Yeah. For some reason, <laughs> Jabba's there with the skulls and Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, look, the biggest inspiration to horror comic drawing is Jabba the Hutt, okay? <laughs> the camera pans yeah. us through just a bunch of art stuff, and, the, and we're in this dude's office, and he's we look over at him, he's scribbling up some pictures because he's a comic book artist. Also, he's wearing that fabulous orange shirt from the picture, so this must be our main character, Jim. He's tired of listening to The Temptations now, so he turns that shit off, and our smooth music is just gone, Brandon. Snapped away in an instant. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Turn that off now. It's it, We're done. Jim scratches his head a little bit here when up walks some dude in a Beetlejuice-looking striped shirt, asking him, Hey Jim, how you doing? I'm Corpse Eaters from Pluto. Another dude walks up and asks Corman if he's done yet, since he figured he's probably about halfway through the disembowelment by now. But he's interrupted by the striped dude, who's saying, Hey Bob, I got a story idea for you. The owner of a miniature golf course kills his wife, 
props open her mouth and uses her for the 16th hole. Bob's got an idea of his own, though, saying, how about a little lady who lives in her apartment and cleans out a refrigerator and comes across her long-dead boyfriend? Shirt guy's all, oh, yeah? How about a doctor that has to take out his own appendix? A butcher's got to eat his own short ribs. They just, like, sit there and they just bounce ideas back that are all awful. I'd watch all of those. You would, Brandon. You're so... You and your entertainment stylings. The camera pans over to Jim, trying to work, and he snaps, Give it a rest, guys. I'm trying to concentrate here. Bob tells him that he can do it on his own time, since they have a magazine to put out here, you know? Stripe guy, whose name, by the way, is Art. And I don't learn that for a couple of minutes here, and I'll tell you why. He asks, Yeah, what's so hard about drawing corpse eaters it's anyhow? on the nose. Yeah. It's just like Sylvia Vane, Brandon. <laughs> oh, I forgot about <laughs> Except that. Art has nothing to do with this episode. We look at Jim's drawing and he says, gosh, I don't know, there's just something tricky about this and I can't seem to get it right. There's a loud banging at the door and Jim's all, oh shit. And we look over and we see a woman in a big hat's silhouette knocking on the door to Tales from the Crypt. Now Bob and Art, they run the fuck out of there. They slam their doors because they're in their little offices. And I finally got to see the shirt guy's name here. It's Art because there is, like, their names on the door. The name for Art, like, displays for... A quarter of a second so i had to freeze frame it but i found it also Good. when we look at their office doors we see this chair and you can see the crypt keeper puppet is sitting in a little chair it's cute he's got the electric chair helmet thingy on it was cool to see him even yeah, though we i'm just sure that's him. just the actual offices two tales from the crypts it might be the door bursts open and this woman walks in with a musical sting and she's got on a polka dot dress and an absolutely fabulous big red hat on with matching red gloves. Oh my god. So fabulous. It's like a giant Brandon. frisbee. It's so great. She looks over at Jim at his desk and slams the door and we see Bob and Art slide their way to the windows to like check out what's happening because they are all in on this office drama. And this woman, Mildred, sashays her way to Jim and they stare at each <laughs> other for a moment before Jim says... Hi, honey. Millie's all, don't hi, honey. Me, you pompous jackass. This is a Saturday. Who does that, Brandon? Who, who records a podcast on a Saturday, you know? I don't know. Saturdays are for chilling. Oh, I was. I thought you were going to say Saturdays are for the boys, <laughs> which means podcast <laughs> recording, but, you know, and drawing. Millie here. Hold on. Where are my notes here? She says, hey, I love to say sachets. Oh, my goodness. I know. I have that in my notes. She sachets her way to Jim's desk. She does, though, right? We're so insane. That's why I Gosh. laughed, because you said it, like, exactly <laughs> the same time I was reading it. There's some words that I like to say, buzzwords here, if you will. Sacheting, power walking, smooching. That's all my faves. She asks when they're planning on coming home. It's Saturday, man. It's, it's got time to chill. Jim tells her he's got to finish this edition. Well, she thinks that it's bullsnot. Brandon. Mickey Mouse Bullsnot. Yeah. And he can't fool her. Mr. Weekend Workaholic. He's got a blonde bimbo stashed away someplace for sure. And when she finds her, she's going to rip her cute little powdered face off. And we see Mildred walk around and check out some things for a moment, looking for that blonde bimbo. And she turns around and she says, it's not enough that you got to draw these dumb cartoons instead of getting a real job. But you can't even keep your paws off the secretary in this goddamn office. Jim tells her, honey, the secretaries are off. It is the weekend. But Mildred stomps around saying that she should have known how disastrous this marriage would be. To think, she gave the best years of her life and for what? A stingy, two-timing loser. You can't even give me children, you little wimp. Jim claps back. Jeez. 
I know, Mildred just goes off. I kind of love it. Jim claps back that the doctor said it could be either one of them. Mildred swivels her head back with this big old scowl that puts him in his place. So he says that he's taking his pills. And Millie thrusts a bottle of pills into the camera saying, You mean these pills? Potency plus the male answer for infertility. So far, Brandon, this scene is... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's something else. Everyone in this episode is kind of operating at like 110% like Millie energy. Yeah. And this chick, she is off the charts. She is chowing down on this scenery. I adore Millie. Mildred, if you will. Yeah. She's she, wonderful. She's fantastic. She's hilarious. I, I just like, oh. I love her. I love her so much. Bob and Art scram after that because they, like, scoot away from their window. And Jim's all, do we have to do this here and now? And Mildred informs Jim that he forgot to take his pills this morning and calls him love nuts. She's been counting them, Brandon. There's 24 in there yeah. instead of 23. <laughs> this is a very healthy relationship. It's it's beautiful to see, I have to say. She slaps her belly, <laughs> saying, You want to kickstart Mildred Jr. here? You have to take a pill every single morning. Jim grabs those pills and shakes them, saying that they're experimental and they aren't even approved by the FDA. There could be side effects. Jim then tells her that it's like, it makes his imagination fertile and and he thinks it's affecting his brain. Mildred snaps, good, maybe you'll do a decent day's work for a change. Jim stares at her for a moment and then opens up that bottle of pills. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) Look, I don't get it because like, being an artist for Tales from the Crypt probably plays probably pays pretty well, I would think, you know? I guess. He's one of, like, three employees. Look, Mildred gets to have her fancy polka dot dresses and her floppy hats. I don't know. Yeah, they're not poor. She's got that hat budget. Exactly, that hat. Probably from Milan or the land. Who knows? Probably <laughs> expensive. Jim ends up taking those pills, though, and he says maybe, you know, you need a new husband. And the music gets a little sinister as Mildred walks over to him saying, You'd like that, wouldn't ya? Give you a chance to prod some little cutie from the typing pool. Well, forget it, Jimbo, right. you're stuck with me till death do us part. And she snaps her head at him with this little bump. <laughs> and I love it. I just, oh, I adore it. She storms out of the room with a great 1990s power walk and slams the door closed behind her. <laughs> She accuses him, like, all the time of being some, like, cheating ladies' man who's just hooking up with these chicks left and right. Yes. Our boy Jim here, though. (laughs) This is Harry Anderson, okay? Spoilers (laughs) for for later. But this is the night court guy, all right? Yeah. You don't look at him and be like, he is just... He's a bit of a nerd. (laughs) Getting chicks left and right. He is an artist for Tales from the Crypt, and he looks like it. (laughs) If you envisioned who's drawing these covers of Francis Bay looking sinister as hell, it's this this nerd. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. With Jim, he gets back to working on his little paper. He's scribbling up a storm as Bob and Art walk out of their offices, and Bob whispers to Art that she is such a monster. Jim just starts scribbling like a madman on his doodle pad, drawing this big toadish looking ogre monster, which isn't what I expected a corpse eater from Pluto to look like, but you know, it's mm-hmm. fine. It looks great. I wouldn't know what a corpse eater from Pluto looks like, so. Well, it looks like a big toad ogre. Like I said, Jim Jim Corman over here, he is like obsessed with drawing ogres. Everything he draws looks like ogres. I don't know. Oh, maybe he should work on Shrek. Oh man. Yeah. He should. Shrek is great. 
I like Shrek 2 the most. I have fond memories of watching Shrek 2 at your house. And yeah, it was Shrek 2 is the family. best of the Shreks. Such a good movie. The screen page flips us over. That is a very a unique transition, and we see it a lot in this episode. It, it just really uh, encapsulates that comic book vibe of us like flipping pages to get to the next scene. And now we're over in a, a laundromat, and a woman is humming to herself a little bit. And she turns on the dryer. I put dryer, but I think it's the washer. And we see that Jim's there doing laundry, too. He's looking at her as he folds his whitey tidies, which is the most embarrassing thing in the 90s. So he stuffs that down in his hamper. He awkwardly smiles at the woman, and then he just leaves the laundromat. He's out of there. <laughs> yeah. The woman, whose name is Lorelai. It's a Gilmore Girls origin story. Here's the thing. When I think of Lorelai, I think of Pokemon. Because she is one of the Elite Four members from Pokemon Red and Blue. Okay. I don't remember that at all. She's got a Lapras and everything. Ooh. I know, right? Lapras is a nice one. You only get one Lapras, and Lorelai has one. And I'm like, where'd you get that, girl? I'm like, I have a Lapras. She cracks open a book, and she starts reading it. And we pop outside where something out there is looking at her through the laundromat door in kind of Goosebumps Creeper Cam fashion. Yeah, using that patented Goosebumps camera. I think uh, your boy, RL, should sue. Uh, well, Retroactively. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he was like, this was my idea the whole time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Laura ignores that shit and continues reading her steamy romance novel for kind of a long time, actually, (laughs) for like 30 seconds until the lights turn off and the power fades away. She's all, damn it. She tries to open up the dryer door to get her shit out, but she's scared by a man that suddenly appears behind her. He asks if she's scared and she asks if he works here. He says, nah, I just happened to wander by. And Lorelai asks him to look in the back, saying it might be a blown fuse or some shit. But this guy tells her, nah, the whole box is shorted out. She asks, oh, uh, you looked already? And he giggles, saying, nah, (laughs) I was the one that did it. Don't like it as much when the lights are on. And he raises up a switchblade. This guy's kind of creepy. He is a bit, yeah. He's got, he does this creepy little giggle and... He's a giggler, Brandon. He's like oddly polite, considering that he's a total piece of shit. Yeah. He's a, he's a monster. And... He's a giggler. He's a giggler for sure. He giggles a couple of times in the scene. Lorelai backs up and he advances as she asks if he's going to hurt her. And the dude tells her, yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. See? <laughs> so she runs away, but the door behind her is locked. So she raises her arm saying, now look, you're making a big mistake here, pal. And she reaches into her back pocket and pulls out a police officer badge saying, I'm a cop. And he giggles again, asking where she got that, at the dime store? And then he gets the shit beaten out of him (laughs) by her. (laughs) He's like, he's thrown to the ground. And he looks up at her saying, ow. (laughs) He's surprised. Yeah, well, he just got like pummeled and pushed to the ground. Then he gets back up. And there's a bunch of knocking from one of the washing machines. And it opens up and it spills water out everywhere. And the dude giggles again. I love giggling. And says, laundry's done, but this ain't any normal laundry, Brandon. A leg steps out of the machine. I'm just, like, slurring my words here. What am I drunk? And Lorelai tells him, oh, shit, behind you. But the guy's not falling for that, Brandon. It's the oldest trick in the goddamn book. Mm -hmm. Until it's too late. The toad ogre monster that Jim was drawing attacks him and starts munching on his head as Lorelai watches. The man is lifted into the air, and then we see his head just fall to the ground. (laughs) with a plop yeah 
And Lorelai runs out of the building as that page flips us away from that scene into into the next scene. Except we're still in the laundromat, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't that far away. And it looks like we're investigating. Five minutes later. Exactly, yeah. Now we're investigating the scene here, and there's this police tape where the body was. And it's got, like, you know, like, the silhouette of the dude's torso. And then there's a separate mm-hmm. silhouette for where the dude's head was. <laughs> <laughs> you have to know. They even, they complete it, Brandon. There's even the hat silhouette there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. The cops talk about how the head's in this bag here, and then they take away the body on the, on a gurney. Lorelai is there, and the lights are back on, and her boss or somebody, I, I assume it's her boss, explains. Yeah. What they, you know, just saw, Lorelai kind of talks about what she saw. There's a monster that emerged from the washing machine and it gobbled up the assailant. She tells him, yeah, that's that's right. Somebody slams her uniform down and her boss tells her that she needs to have that thing cleaned and pressed and ready to go for tomorrow. Lorelai tells him that she's a cop. She doesn't drink off duty or make up crazy stories. And Phil here, who's her boss, says, yeah, whatever. Neither did that dude claiming to see a two-headed ogre last week. Or the housewife who found a dinosaur in her Volkswagen. She's all, this shit's real, Phil. Honest to goodness. And Phil's all, sure, but if there was a monster, I'd have one thing to say about it. And he looks in a bag, I assume with the dude's head in it, and says the monster was one hell of an overbite. I'm sorry, the monster has one hell of an overbite. Whew. Okay, we're out of that scene, Brandon. My fuck-ups are gone. From now on, this Shoot. is going to be a pristine, <laughs> fresh, polished <start>. podcast. <laughs> this swipe fades us over to Lorelai, who's walking down the street with her police officer uniform on. And some dude says, oh, hi, Lorelai, as she walks by. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> You're my favorite customer, Lorelai. Oh, my God. I need to watch The Room again. She stops and looks over at a display of magazines and sees Tales from the Crypt there, because that's what you do. You buy Tales from the Crypt on the side of the Yeah, there's like the seven issues of it there. <laughs> it's like one newspaper, seven issues of Tales from the Crypt, and Time Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> she picks it up and she notices the cover is the same monster that attacked her at the laundromat. They are just very quick to get that shit on the racks, man. Gotta make that money. Mm-hmm. Also, behind him is that giant toad ogre thing. On the back of that magazine, though, there is an ad for, like, Beastmaster or something. Whatever was in theaters in 1990. And she grabs more of the comics and sees the two-headed ogre and the dinosaur in the Volkswagen as covers. It's like four months' worth of Tales from the Crypt issues. I have to say, Brandon, these these stories, a a dinosaur and a Tales... (laughs) A dinosaur in a Volkswagen and a Tales from the Crypt comic, uh, that one should probably get ad- adapted into a TV show, yes? <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see it, but I can't imagine how that's a story at all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be... That, that as a concept barely is enough to like fill out a sentence. A dinosaur in a car. Okay. It's, I, I, I don't... <laughs> Where does it go from there? I know, right? Like, that's the beginning, middle, and end right there. <laughs> does he know how to drive it? <laughs> Well, she looks at these covers and she thinks on that for a moment and then looks over at the artist because like, um, you know, it has this signature in the in the bottom corner, which is Jim Corman. And then she walks off as the guy at the stand asks, hey, you got to pay for those? Well, spoilers, Brandon. She isn't. She's not going to pay for it. No. She's a cop. She gets what she wants. Hey there, everybody, Cortland here, your good buddy and your favorite comic book artist. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything that we have. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. For all sorts of bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes videos, and so much more, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash privateisland. We upload multiple times a week with bonus content for all of our tiers. Just recently, I went through and rated every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark on a tier list, and it was a blast to do. I'm hoping to do another video tier list for all the Goosebumps episodes soon, too. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Beths, Venice Witch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, and Rad Magical, the Goths, Stephen, Matt, Lindsay, Aaron, Brittany, Rachel, Sid, Preston, and Corey, the citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Ryan, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Faith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and you boys and girls, Kathy, Farron, Bryce, and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. For lots of updates, videos, pictures, memes, and more, follow us on social media. That's at UANpod on Twitter, at Up All Night Podcast on Instagram, at Private Island Presents on TikTok, and at Up All Night HA Podcast on YouTube. I do a lot of fun stuff on social media like cooking with Cortland. So if you follow us on the Instagram stories, I just recently made donuts from scratch that turned out really great. For live entertainment, check us out on Wednesday nights on Instagram Live where we watch full-length episodes of the shows that we cover. I also go live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash privateislandc regularly. So stop by, say hi, and check out all the horror anthology sound bites that you can play. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Thanks again for listening in. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode, and I will talk with you next week. Bye, everybody. We fade back over to the office where Bob and Art are talking about story ideas again, like one of a rabid dog told by the dog's point of view with foam dribbling around the the margins when up walks some woman and Art barks at her, like literally barks at her. She sighs and we pop over to Jim who's answering his phone saying, Tales from the Crypt, Jim Corman here. Oh, hi, honey. Yeah, I'm still working. Yes, I took the pill. Oh, yeah. The secretaries have totally all gone home. As he says that, that secretary that's not at home gives him a paper. Mm -hmm. And Jim tells Mildred that he totally wouldn't do that. And he's trying to draw his comic. So he snaps, honey, would you give me a break here? And we hear Mildred scream. Give you a break? I'll give you a break. I'll break your neck, you goddamn idiot. Just wait till you get home, you moron. And then she hangs up. I'm like, yes, more Mildred, please. (laughs) Oh, you'll get more. I can't wait. (laughs) Jim continues drawing another ogre monster, but this one's got, like, a purse on, you know? Like, it's looking fancy as hell. And I guess he is just very into ogres, as I said a couple of times already. <laughs> this man draws They've ogres. they got layers. <laughs> a door down the hall creaks open, and we see a Nosferatu-style claw silhouette. But Jim's like, nah, this is shit. He crumples up his work, and the claw fades away. Jim looks behind him as the monster gives a little death gurgle, but it must have been nothing, so he just goes back to work. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. This will be a plot point later, I'm assuming. I doubt it. <laughs> I know. We get a nice aerial shot of Jim walking on over to his car. He opens that shit up and plops inside, and is about to start that puppy up when someone taps him on the shoulder. He screams and turns around, and we see that it's Lorelei. She apologizes for startling him, and they both recognize each other from the laundromat, even though they saw each other for, like, two seconds. Yeah, it's just like, from his perspective, he's just like, oh, this is just some knockoff Courtney Cox-looking chick. And <laughs> from her perspective, she's just like, oh, there's some 
weird middle-aged man. Yeah, so But nerd. they're both like, hey, you're the one from the laundromat, like, four days ago. I mean, I know, right? Because it had to have been some time. The, the episode he was working on of Tales from the Crypt was published already. Like, yeah. I, don't think that's into, I don't think that's an instantaneous process. No, you got to ship them out to the newsstands of the world. Yeah, they're their favorite Takes customer. Time. He asks what the fuck she's doing in his car. And Lorelai introduces herself as Lorelai Phelps, a policewoman, and says that she wanted to talk to him in private. Jimbo here says he locked this thing and wonders how she got in. In response, Lore lifts up a lockpick. That's it. <laughs> She's a master yeah. lockpicker. <laughs> then she pulls up a... Oh my gosh, this part, Brandon. Then she pulls up a paper. And at mm-hmm. this point, I said, man, this woman has everything, right? But it gets so <laughs> much more. And and she hands that paper to him. And we see a picture of the toad monster there. And the headline reads, Rapist Foiled by Laundry Monster. It's front page news. <laughs> front page news. The big, Lady. massive headline. Lady Cop describes crook-eating creature. Lorelai points at the monster saying that she was there and saw it. And Jim asks what her point is. So she gets to that point by saying there's been a rash of monster sightings lately. All different and horrible. Except for a sweet T-Rex in a Volkswagen. (laughs) There's police sketches of eyewitnesses, right? And she lifts up one of the dinosaur in the Volkswagen. That looks identical to the cover of the Tales from the Crypt episode. Then... She, okay, my notes here. Then she, oh my god, has everything in this car, lifts up the Tales from the Crypt issue of that cover. And she lifts both the paper up, and she swivels her head to look at the paper, and then swivels her head to look at the issue of Tales from the Crypt. And they're the same thing. And she asks, now what's all this hubba here, hmm? (laughs) She's got a briefcase back there or something. Dude, she's got everything. She's got a duffel bag. She's been waiting in this car for hours, okay? And she... (laughs) She had to wheelbarrow in all these papers. She and had the pizza picks. delivered into the car. <laughs> she's got everything. She's she's there for a stakeout, Brandon. Okay, she's there for a good long time. Yeah. Well, we know Jim works a lot. He's a workaholic. You never know when he's going to get up done there working. drawing and banging secretaries. What a life on Disney Channel. She hands Jim all those papers, and he rifles through them, asking, "What does this all mean?" Lorelai thinks in some crazy way his drawings are coming to life, just popping in from the Twilight Zone. Jim looks at her saying, that's a really weird idea, you know, and Lorelai suggests that they try and experiment. If it doesn't work, she'll leave him alone. We cut over to Jim's office where he sits down and turns his light on, and Lorelai instructs him to draw a repulsive monster. So he gets to work and starts sketching. Lorelai in the meantime takes a look around the office as Jim gets a good look at Lorelai. And he grabs his wedding picture of him and Mildred, and he throws it away and asks what she expects to happen. Lorelai says, well, somehow, somewhere, our new friend is going to make a guest appearance. If only it was on this podcast, you know? They smile a little. Hey, and I'm an ogre. Oh my god, everything's ogres. It's all turning up ogres here. They smile a little, and we page flip over to Jim's somewhat complete drawing of a zombie, Brandon. Another zombie. Whoa. A zombie ogre? A zogre, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jim throws his pencils down saying, there, it's done. Nothing's happening. So I guess it didn't work. And Lorelai looks at it saying, maybe, or maybe it happened elsewhere and just hasn't been Well, yeah, of course it happened elsewhere. Like, the whole premise is that these things happen to other people in other locations. He didn't draw a T-Rex in a Volvo, and then in the office, a car just appeared with a T-Rex like, beep, beep. (laughs) 
<laughs> That'd be like, pretty, pretty sweet. That's not how it works. It's weird that when he was drawing that one monster, it did appear in the office. Oh, right. Because that goes against everything else yeah, that we've I'm, seen. Look, I don't know where they're at. I'm going to say New York City. When, But the, the magic is when he draws it, it appears randomly somewhere. So, yeah, that, that time that he drew the ogre and the purse and yeah, stuff. It's just a massive coincidence. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had to be in New York somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Why not right down the hall? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Jim's had enough of this shit, but Lorelai stops him saying, dude, just give it a chance. Anything is possible. He's all, anything. And goes to grab her for a smooch. But she's all, no way, Jose. I don't even know you. you what's, the, what's the Bobby Hill line like? I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm funny. Anyway. I'm trying to remember. That's they, my purse. I don't yeah. know you. Yes, yes. That exact thing happens, except nobody gets kicked in the nuts. She doesn't know a single thing about Jim Corman, except that he does horrible drawings, which is really rude, but. <laughs> I think she meant like horrific, but. I think so too. She says horrible. <laughs> drawings are horrible. You work, your, your life's drawings are shit. shit. <laughs> the only thing I know about you is that whack ass T-Rex you drew. Oh my God. Why did you draw a T-Rex in a Volkswagen? What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's not even scary. <laughs> Jim says he'll totally give up horror. And he's kind of getting burned out of it anyway. And he'll start drawing maybe like a romance comic. His drawings will be so cute and charming that his editor will throw a total fit. Of course, he's going to need some research. And he goes in for another smooch again. Like, who is this man? I don't know. He's very cringe for the rest of this episode. He is. Um, we'll but also maybe that. Mildred was right. I know, right? I'm like, Harry oh, Anderson is just irresistible. He's so dreamy. This time, though, Brandon, they do smooch. And I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some steamy music playing as they hug and smooch a whole bunch more. Then Laura stops him saying that she's got to go. She's going to give him a call. And he thinks it's for a date. But she says, no, it's to let you know if a slime-faced monster is terrorizing the neighborhood. Just like a thriller, Brandon. He shrugs yeah. a little saying, tell me over dinner. And Laura tells him, maybe. I'll call you. And walks out of there. Jim thanks his drawing for his cheating nonsense and turns off the light. But we look at that zombie up close, Brandon. The camera kind of zooms into it. My opinions of Jim have gone downhill. <laughs> gonna lie. Yeah. Look, I know Mildred is the worst. I get that. <laughs> but I also love Mildred. Is she, though? She's kind of amazing. <laughs> that page flips us over to a child playing army with his friends? Where's this episode going, Brandon? Uh, this part in particular is going nowhere exactly right they're in like a dilapidated factory setting i don't know what's going on such a great place to play as a kid though am i right sure i mean i played in the woods but same thing yeah right dilapidated horrible factory with tons of dangerous things versus rusty a... metal and broken glass it's, it's yeah well he's playing army with his friends and he says the everything's clear boys and he tells Frank to go get a plank, I guess. A poor, sweet, innocent child in overalls asks, what about me? And <laughs> yes, a tiny little Minkus from Boy Meets yes, World looking yes. kid. <laughs> it's Minkus. It's not actually Minkus. It's a child that's been in uh, all of four things, according to his IMDb profile. Oh, okay. Didn't didn't really uh, have a long lasting career in acting. But uh, the big main kid tells him to beat it because he has glasses. <laughs> He's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was like in the 90s i you know what i never had glasses so i wouldn't know 
away the kids go off to murder people or whatever they're playing. I don't know. They're playing like army or whatever. They trek through the yeah, wreckage. They got guns. And they have a blast. But we stay back with poor Glasses Kid who walks up to a refrigerator and that starts shaking. And he calls out Butch and then pulls out a fake revolver. He explains to whatever's in the refrigerator how dangerous it is because he just got done watching that very special episode of Punky Brewster. Mm -hmm. He tries to open that shit up but can't seem to get it when some green ooze starts seeping out of it. The kid calls for Butch and the gang comes on over so they... They do. They just kind of waltz over. And he tells them there's something stuck inside there and they got to get it out. And Butch can't believe that. So he calls that poor kid a turd brain. It <laughs> <laughs> steps around him to open up the fridge. He yanks on it and sees the ooze and says, maybe it's a creature. You know, all icky it's monster and slimy. Blood. It's total. Oh my gosh. Arlstein. This episode is just ripping off goosebumps left and right. Insane. I'm surprised Arlstein didn't sue for this nonsense. Even though he couldn't. Look, I am not a lawyer. But I'll say Arl Stein has a case for sure. He does. We'll call up his uh, twin Sam Bernstein. <laughs> <laughs> the kids smile because that's probably dope, you know, a creature in there. And a hand reaches up from the top of the fridge and makes its way out. And we see this zombie creature that Jim drew kind of pops out of the fridge. The kids run away except for Bush who's smiling. And then he turns around and the monster looks at him. But the monster is slow, okay? I can't really reach Butch. So Butch runs away. The kid with the glasses, <laughs> he, he stops. Like, he's running, and he stops long enough to look at the camera and excitedly exclaim, I found him! And then continues running away. Why? I, Dude, I don't know. This is why this kid didn't have an acting career. <laughs> that scene could have been five seconds just showing that zombie coming out of a fridge, and it would have been like, oh, so that drawing did it come to life they spend so much time on this scene it's wonderful <laughs> this ghoul with its green ooze and spider webs between its hands slowly stomps over and into a page flip which fades it away now this is the 20th zombie we've had or so so far brandon how'd you think of this zombie <laughs> i mean this zombie once we're done with this show we're gonna have to rank like we'll have one leaderboard for zombies and one leaderboard for gold diggers Mm -hmm. We're going to have to rank them all. I think this zombie, he looks okay. Looks all right. He, yeah. he looks more mummy-like. Yeah, you're right. Kind of green, oozy and such. Well, we're almost done with this episode already here. So now we're back with Jim in his office and Bob walks out asking, what's wrong with you? You're behind schedule on Brain Circus from the Amazon. He puts on his glasses and looks over at his sketch, which is a completely different style now. It's it's Jim and Lorelai on a date, Brandon. Mm -hmm. And in the comic, Jim... You know, draw Jim says, my heart yearns for her lips, her arms, her satin skin. Bob's all, this doesn't sound like brain sucking to me. And Jim explains that he must be in a romantic mood. Bob asks if Mildred's lost some weight, which is incredibly rude, <laughs> and then excuses himself because he is late. He leaves Jim alone when the phone rings. So Jim picks it up and it's Lorelai on the other end. This gets him all steamy. So he takes his glasses off saying, yeah, I was just thinking of you too. I know the spot across the street. It's got a great view and great food, soft music and all that jazz. Yeah, sure. Come right up. See you in five. Now the camera, it's slowly panning around and we see that his wife, Mildred, is standing right there, Brandon. Oh, shit. I know. The jig is up. She's standing right behind me, isn't she? She is indeed. She's all nice secluded spot, huh? Jim asks, how, how long have you been there? She tells him, long enough, you little creep. 
You're going to meet some playgirl tramp, ain't you? Jim tells her, of, of course not, honey. You're, you're the only woman in the world for me. And Mildred snaps, yeah? And pigs have wings. Look, you wait here, mister. I have a surprise for you in the car. He loves surprises, Brandon. And she snaps her head again to that little thwomp. And it's great. I just, I have my notes. I love Mildred. She's wonderful. <laughs> yes. She storms out of the room and Jim's all, damn it. And he grabs a pencil and starts sketching. Like, he immediately is like, ah, fuck, I gotta draw. <laughs> yeah, he's anger drawing. Oh, the most dangerous kind of drawing. <laughs> the elevator door opens up and Mildred walks out. Because we see that for a second for some reason. And we cut back to Jim sketching away. I thought what was going to happen is that the door was going to open, Mildred walks out, and Lorelai walks in. But, mm, nope. Yeah. Back to Jim. He is sketching away at that big ogre-looking Mildred creature that he was drawing before. Behind him down the hallway, we see, see a little silhouette of his drawing for a moment. And then the door opens up and Mildred walks back in with her big hat and blue and white dress. She stops at his desk for a moment and then pulls out a revolver, saying, Surprise, honey! <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> Me neither, and it was wonderful. Jim gets up saying, I, I could explain. And Mildred's all, yeah? Explain it to St. Peter, you two-timing twerp. And cocks the gun. Jim drops his papers and Mildred snatches them up, yelling, What's this? And she looks and sees the drawing he just did, saying, Me? You were drawing me as a monster? And he throws that down and points the gun back at him. Another ogre, Jim? I know. Please, get help. Jim, all we have at home are just drawings of your ogres. <laughs> <laughs> I was a nice, sweet woman before you drove me insane with your ogre drawings. Poor Mildred. Gosh. Jim yells and explains, no, it's the pills. I take the pills and I draw something, and if I think about it hard enough, then it happens. Suddenly, Brandon, a big fat oh, wow. ogre with a beautiful floppy hat and Mildred's dress shows up. <laughs> It just kind of like sidesteps into the room and the two just stare at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like from here on, like nobody is reacting as if a monster just appeared in the room. <laughs> no, it's just like a normal person. Mildred puts her hands on her hips asking, what the hell is that? And the monster mimics that movement <laughs> and shakes its hips. Yeah, this monster's got sass. Oh my god! He's got the most important part of Mildred. The sass, yes. Jim says, that's you. And both her and the monster look at him. And Mildred says, that's real cute, Jim. Is this how you see me? A rancid piece of garbage? What an eyesore. Why don't you feed it a laxative and put it out of its misery? Now the monster here is slowly creeping up to Jim as Mildred continues making fun of it. That sets the monster off, and it turns over to Mildred, who points the gun at it, calling it a smelly pile of pus. And Mildred shoots the monster a few times before it just makes its way over to her, and then they're screaming and fighting and shit. And Jim, he just, well, he just, he just stands up, he just walks out of there saying, well, guess you got some catching up to do. And he throws the bottle of pills away in the trash can, and he just walks out of the door, like he's done with this. Up runs Lorelai in a sexy corset, apologizing for being late. And Jim tells her, nah, you're just in time. And we see the silhouette of Mildred being attacked by monster Mildred. Because, like, like in the window panes. And they're screaming and shit. But Lorelai doesn't seem to care about any of that. <laughs> doesn't even give it a look. No. Well, there's the sighting, you know, Brandon, from the kids. They saw the, the zombie. So that's way more important. She's a great policewoman. There's some crashing, and finally Lorelai asks what all that noise is, and Jim says that they're uh, redecorating, yeah, and, and and that's it. They get into the elevator and the doors close, and we start 
Closing up on that romance panel that Jim was drawing from earlier is we hear Mildred fighting with the monster, and then blood splurts across the page. Over with Jim and Lorelai, they're at dinner with that great view and food, and Lore asks if Jim's married, and Jim smiles saying, not anymore, and then they click glass, <laughs> they clink their glasses together, and that's the end of the episode, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, he like kind of killed his wife. Yep, he did. I mean, it is his fault. Over with the Crypt Keeper, he's drawing up another panel of Jim and Lorelai, and he says, well, how's that for a sappy ending? Was it a little too graphic for you? Oh, well, next thing you know, Jim and his new gal pal will be walking down the easel together. I guess you learn that life imitates art after all. As for poor Mildred, she learned that death imitates art, too. Maybe if she'd been nicer to him, she wouldn't have ended up a monster piece. <laughs> that's a good one. And he laughs. And that's the end of the episode, Brandon. Wow. Yeah. What a goofy thing. Absolutely wild episode, Brandon. It's one of those ones where it's like, why am I watching this scene? Like the laundromat and the kids in the, in the factory. Like, where is this going? And the answer is someplace real great, Brandon. I like this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. I have to say, I don't care for Jim too much. He is kind of an asshole, and it. I know Mildred's the worst and everything, but Jim's kind of a piece of shit himself. So yeah, Mildred sucks, but she's great. Yeah, I kind of expected more out of Lorelai, but I don't know if this is episode is saying like Jim made her do this, like he took the pills and it he made like their romantic dinner a possibility kind of thing. I don't know. It's kind of you know tale of the dream. Maybe machine. she never existed at all. He just took the pills and dreamed her up. Ooh. See, that would be interesting. He just makes women, I guess. I don't know. I gotta say, I liked it. I don't really care for, like, the morals of the story, which are, you know, cheating makes you win. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it was a fun one. I had a good time with it. Let's talk about the morals, Brandon. I just said what I thought the okay. moral of the story was. Cheaters prosper, but... uh Cheaters win. Yeah. I, I um... What do you think? I, I got another one. If you're a kid playing a factory, especially a dilapidated one, it's going to be the most fun. Get in that refrigerator. It's the perfect hiding spot. Well, wasn't the perfect hiding spot from that zombie. No, the zombie was in there the whole time. But you know what? Punky Brewster was wrong. You can open a fridge from the inside as shown to us by a zombie. So there you go. That's really the moral of this episode. Punky Brewster is wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Full stop. Period. End of sentence. <laughs> what else, Brandon? You got any other morals for me here? Mm, I don't know. Don't draw ogres. Yeah, quit drawing ogres. They're not great. It's been done a thousand times. It's all been done. Alternate names for the episode, Brandon. Corman's Calamity. Kind of a shit name, um, to be honest with you. It's, it's a weird name. It's kind of dumb. Ogres. It's oops all ogres. <laughs> <laughs> How about... uh? Title redacted, property of R.L. Stein. There we go. Yes, R.L. Stein wins. He he wins. He wins all the time. He, he gets book, his. So. We know that. Um, you know what? I think we should meet the cast here, Brandon. Let's see who these right. people are all about. Who are these couple of people? All right, let's meet this cast, Brandon. First up, Harry Anderson. Oh my gosh, the late Harry Anderson passed away. Yeah, in I didn't know he passed away. I didn't either. Oh, I knew God. there was a, like a new Night Court reboot, and I just assumed he was in it. No, well, he's not. Well, as you said in the episode, he's probably best known for Night Court. He played 193 episodes of that show as Judge Harry T. Stone. I don't think I've ever seen Night Court. 
I've never watched a full episode of Night Court, but it was just kind of there. Hmm. One of those shows. Surprisingly, Brandon, uh, he hasn't been in a lot of different things, probably because he spent most of his time at Night Court. But he started things off in 1982 with with Twilight Theater, a TV movie. Mm -hmm. He was also in Elvira's movie Macabre. I love Elvira, I have to say. He was famously in Spies, Lies, and Naked Thighs. Oh, sure. He was in Tales from the Dark Side, so we might see him again. He was also in Saturday Night Live uh, for three episodes back in the 80s. You know what? I think he's probably best known for Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme from 1990. Yeah, probably. Uh, he was in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, a show called Dave's World for 98 episodes. Okay, he spent a lot of time in Dave's World, too. Damn. He had a couple of long-running sitcoms. Yeah, so yeah, he... he that's where he spent most of his time. He doesn't have to be in... He's only 29 things, but most of them were spent on Night Court and in Dave's World, which sounds like a nightmare. I, re- I remember him most as Richie in the the It miniseries in the 90s. Oh, yeah. He was Richie, wasn't he? Yeah. Beep, beep, Richie. He was also, like, the last thing he was in, 2014, A Matter of Faith. Next, we have Lorelai, <laughs> played by Cynthia Gibb. She kind of looks like Anne Hathaway a little bit in her picture on IMDb, I have to say. Yeah, she's got some Hathaway vibes. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at her career. She has a lot more roles than, uh, you know, Mr. Henderson or whatever his name was. And he's, she started things off. <laughs> <laughs> look, my brain can only remember so many things at once, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> she started things off in 1980 in a show maybe called Stardust Memories. Oof, that sounds... Like something she was in short circuit too brandon did you ever see short circuit or short circuit i 2? did see short circuit the first one i didn't know there was a sequel to it but there is and she was in it what else was she in here diagnosis murder the house on sycamore street that sounds riveting uh volcano fire on the mountain you don't say she was in that she was in judging amy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. heard of that um looking at her her career now it seems like she's in that trap of hallmark christmas movies you mean like my dog's christmas miracle brandon (laughs) yes a nanny for christmas yeah (laughs) i don't know if you could call it a trap she has a great career sharing christmas Christmas. on the menu (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if she works with ron oliver (laughs) how is this like a genre I don't, I don't know. Makes all the money, Brandon. I guess. People love it. People fucking love it. Whatever makes my Ron Oliver money, I'm fine with it. Next up, we have Colleen Camp. Colleen Camp. And she sure is campy because she plays Mildred, Brandon. Oh, man. What a Tour wonderful actress. Yes. What a wonderful, wonderful actress. She's been in tons of shit, too. 151 credits on IMDb. So give me, like, an hour while I scroll down through all of them. Still going. There we go. Started things off in 1973 with Marcus Welby, MD, where she played Betty Adams. Uh, what else was she in? I mean, it was so many things. She was in Clue. Oh, that's what I, yes. I want to see Clue again. We should do a plot points on Clue because I just want to yes, watch that Clue movie is again. great. Such a funny movie. Tales from the Dark Side. She was in an episode of that. So again, we might see her. Murder, she wrote because everybody's been in that. Wayne's World. She was in Wayne's World. House Arrest. She was in three episodes of Roseanne. Pulp Fiction. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Pulp Fiction. Plump Fiction. Same thing. I didn't know there was a parody movie made of Pulp Fiction. But We've there got is. Pulp Fiction at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
running with scissors. Who doesn't do that, though, you know? Weird Al. She was in a thing called Boop in 2011. American Hustle. Signed, sealed, delivered, home again. Oh, God. I keep... She was in Andy Mack. Uh, I actually recognize that one. Yeah, I've seen Andy Mack. She was in The Twilight Zone for 2020. And oh, most recently, cool. she was in Amsterdam and 5-25-77. I don't know, guys. She was in some stuff. She's still in stuff. She's still wonderful. And I love her. That was Colleen Camp. Gosh, I feel like Casey Kasem or something. Oh, got to close out that plump fiction. Next up, <laughs> we have Art, played by Lance Davis. This man was in 28 things, so I don't have to really scroll too much in IMDb. Wonderful. Started things off in 1976, The Adams Chronicles. It's always something I've never heard of. But he was in Mr. Belvedere for an episode, Brandon. And Roseanne. It's from Twin Peaks. Oh, you love Twin Peaks, Brandon. Yeah, he was Chet. I don't know who that, that is. <laughs> I got, I'll have to watch that show soon. You need to watch that show, and we need to talk you about it. Better watch that show. The last thing he was in, 1998's Working. So he has he, he's kind of quit acting, which is odd that he has <laughs> yeah. a picture on his IMDb profile. Considering, it is. He uploaded know. that like, hey, remember me from things 30 years ago? Yeah, we don't. Next, we got Austin Strauss as Bob. And I didn't look at his IMDb, IMDb credits before I opened it up. He has only been in Tales from the Crypt. All right. That's it. He is most known for this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yes. Well, that's our cast, Brandon. That is it for Cormus Calamity. I mean, final thoughts? Did you love it? Did you love it, Brandon? I liked it. It was specifically Mildred. She Mildred. Uh, she could be in every episode and I'd love it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like a very Beth style oh, yeah, Beth. character mm-hmm. where she's awful, but like you love her. Agreed. Thousand percent. Let's find out what's next, Brandon. Alright. So next I'm gonna week... roll the dice. Is it gold digger or zombie? Mmm. I'm going to go with a gold digging zombie. So the next episode of Tales from the Crypt, season two, episode 14, is called Lower Birth. It's not birth okay. with an I, Brandon. It's birth with an E. So it's like Bertha. Oh, interesting. Okay. Lower Bertha. I don't know what this could be about. So let's read this little IMDb credit thing, okay? Sure. Okay. Enoch, the two-faced man, an attraction at a sideshow, falls in love with a 4,000-year-old mummy Eventually leading up to the conception of their bastard child, the Crypt Keeper. Wait, what? what? That sounds like spoilers. Huh. Like, the Crypt Keeper? Uh, I guess so. So we're going from one meta episode to, like, another self-referential... I guess so. You know, most shows would save this until their final season, where they get into, like, the weird yeah, whatever shit. that's what but... I thought about <laughs> this last episode, but okay. Huh. Season two, they're already like, let's just bring it around full circle. I, I guess so, yeah. Um, well, we've already seen horror anthology episode of a man falling in love with a mummy. Oh, yeah, right? Guardian's Curse. So, I know what we're getting into. <laughs> we got Bobby Budnick back and he's better than <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. I'd love that to see 1990s great. Bobby Budnick again. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Uh, I don't know. I guess next week we'll figure out what the fuck is going on. <laughs> All right. It'll be interesting. Perhaps the origin story of Tales from the Crypt, even though we just kind of did get that. But uh, whatever. What, next week, low, lower birth, Brandon. Lower birth. Crypt Keeper's origin story. Let's, I'm done, Brandon. I've had enough. I'm going to yes, bed. You I've been sound up all like night. you've had enough. <laughs> this episode is going to be wild to edit. I don't know how we've been recording for an hour, but it happened. 
But uh, I'm out of here, Brandon. I uh, will talk to you next week. All right. I'll be here. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.